0: You are Locked On Padres, your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, September 26th, 6th. Weird, weird date to say. I don't know why. 26th. If. Anyway, as always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javipeno, J A V I I P E N O, or at L O underscore Padres which is a great account where I live tweet the Padres and stuff, maybe throwing some stats in there every now and then, as such as Manny Machado actually batting this season 600 with runners in scoring position. Um, but no, seriously, guys, thank you for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day. Free and available on all platforms. You want to see the rad shirt that I'm wearing? Check it out on YouTube as well. Got you covered there. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about this weekend series, and it was a good series. It, it, was, it was a very good series, and even the loss was a good loss. You know what I mean? And what I mean by that is, at least it wasn't one of those games where the offense inexplicably just didn't show up. Right? But we're not going to talk about that game first. We're going to talk about yesterday's game, Sunday's game, in which the Padres won by an astounding score of 13-6. to 6. But let me tell you. Let me tell you, it was no thanks to Mike Clevenger. It was not uh, Mike Clevenger whatsoever. Uh, Four innings for him, eight hits, five earned runs, a walk and a strikeout. His ERA is 4.49 on the season, 1.24 whip. I feel like, and someone left me a comment, actually. A couple of people actually did, saying like, hey, well, Clevenger was great this time. You know, that tweet I that was admittedly, admittedly, we're all friends here, right? I can admit to you that... That tweet was a little bit of me just trying to, you know, my engagement hadn't been great on my old Twitter account. So I said, oh, here's here's my Clevenger's numbers ever since he called out uh, Fernando Tatis, you know what I mean? And I threw it out there, and I 20% stand by it in the sense that I do think that there is a level of of uh, um, the way Clevenger handled it. He is both right, but I also don't necessarily love that he kind of didn't reference the fact that what he did—I'm not saying what's better or what's worse—but what he did, breaking protocol in 2020 at the height, beginning of the pandemic, was also a very selfish thing to do and a very messed up thing to do that cost the team a whole lot. And to kind of—it's—it's it's just odd. It was just odd for me. But forget that for a second. He just hasn't been pitching well for the Padres. Um, and I think the biggest thing with him is he's not making batters miss. His strikeout-to-walk ratio is really bad. I know that in his last start, he looked pretty okay. Uh, not giving up any runs against the Cardinals, who are a very good team, but broken clocks right twice a day is a little bit too mean of a phrase to say here. But I just think Clevenger doesn't have that swing and miss stuff. He hasn't had more than four stri- more than four strikeouts uh, since like uh, two months ago. I'm looking at. Uh, I mean, basically since August 7th, none of his starts has he had more than four strikeouts, uh, and that's a problem because it's not like his walk rate is elite either. You know, he's not necessarily generating a whole lot of ground balls and stuff. His FIP is really high. He looks like a guy that really is a shell of his former self. And in fairness, it's probably because of the injury. And I remember when he came back to give him some props, you know, he was very emotional, saying, like, I didn't even know if I was ever going to pitch again uh, when he made his first appearance for the team this year. And look, kudos to him. The fact that he can still pitch, he's certainly a major league starter. But it does appear that. The injury, having too close, too many injuries, having that Tommy John surgery—you just can't have, you know. I, I know for them to for injuries like big injuries for Mike Clevenger to happen so closely to each other, so not very many years apart. Maybe that's what played a role in this because he's just—he's not doing too much for the team. Um, but it's not necessarily something that's terrible because Clevenger, as your fourth starter, you could do a whole lot worse. You could have what the Colorado Rockies had uh, in this game on Sunday. Uh, what's his face? Let's see. Let's find him real quickly. Kyle Freeland, two and two-thirds innings. He gives up seven runs on nine hits. And man, can I just do the old breakdown of the of the scores here? We got a Will Myers ground rule double. We got some sacrifice flies from Mr. Jake Cronenworth. I actually missed Hassan Kim's score on the Elias Diaz throwing error. I actually missed that at the top of the inning. But we got Jake Cronenworth triple. We got A Will Myers home run, which I said, don't ask me how to explain this, but Will Myers is having a good season. I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. He just is. I don't know how to explain it. Um, Manny Machado homers in this game because why not? And believe it or not, the home run was actually pretty nice when it happened because the Padres only had a 7-5 lead. And by only, I do mean that because with some of their closer troubles, just in general, some of their bullpen troubles, that was really nice. Brandon Drury then home run uh, as a treat. And, hey, the fact that the Rockies scored one more time kind of uh, speaks volumes to the fact that having that insurance was really nice. Brandon Jury also gets a sacrifice at the end of the game. In total, I mean, the Padres, everybody got to up their stats in this game. Uh, two, three for six game from Hassan Kim, who actually bad in the leadoff spot. One of the things I want to talk about this week is, uh, on a future episode, I should say, is just the Padres' lineup, like what they should do exactly. Because I think it's been interesting that, They've had a bunch of different people um, hitting leadoff for them basically all year. They've had Grisham hit leadoff for them. They've had, I think they could maybe run Azokar, who doesn't have a good game here, unfortunately, 0 for 5 with 2Ks. But Jose Azokar, you can have Kim there. They've played uh, Jerks and Profar there, obviously, for a whole lot. But Profar has really had a poor second half to the season. In fact, uh, heading into this game, let me see if I can pull up the splits really quickly. In the first half of the season, Let's see if I can find it really quick. I can't find it on this app by splits like that. But I can find the fact that um, in August, 225, 317, 324 slash line, and in 19 games in September, 227, 263, 467, which is nice. But he really has declined a whole bunch uh, of profile in the second half. Still an okay solid season for him. Right, like He still deserves some credit, but it overall, it's really sad that he kind of fell off a whole bunch because he was like a fringe, fringe all-star uh, at one point, Jerickson Profile this season, and it was so much fun. But I will say, just the fact that he's back is really cool. I mean, it feels like it was a long time ago, but I remember when he got really hurt. He had that weird collision in the outfield in which the Padres, for some reason, were really slow to getting to him, but hey, 2.04 season. Not the worst in the world, but it looked like it was heading for like a four, you know, type of F four season. That's what it looked like. Profile was going to give us, so that's a little disappointing. But again, uh, overall for the rest of the team, uh, Soto gets some 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 bat in this game. He has a good series. He's been heating up recently, uh, which is nice to see. Two for four in this game with two walks. That's peak. Uh, great Juan Soto game. Two for five for Manny. Two for. Five from Brandon Jury, and a one for four with Carterworth with the triple, like I said. Look, it's good. It's good to see that. I'm still really concerned about the lineup, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on in this episode, but it's great to end it that way. Because let me tell you guys, football was mean to me on Sunday. I'm not going to say the team that I'm a fan of, but let's just say they got their butts kicked and I was very sad. My fantasy team got its butt kicked. Um... I don't listen to podcasts that necessarily uh, give you advice on these things. Like, I don't take it as gospel. I just really like hearing people talk about fantasy, and everyone's telling me Gabe Davis is a lock. This is, like, an unbelievable. And now, all of a sudden, I'm getting alerts that are like, hmm, is Gabe Davis someone you should take out of your line? It's like, damn, man, you guys were telling me not to trade him. Sheesh. Anyway, all right, enough of that, guys. Let me tell you what I do take advice from, though. You know what I do take advice from? I take advice from the good people at LinkedIn. In when it comes to job stuff and employer stuff and business stuff all right these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business you want to be 100 percent that you have access to the best qualified candidates available right when you're at the trade deadline the same thing preller he wants to make sure i want to make sure i have access to the best guys what's it going to take well linkedin's kind of like that except not necessarily uh, sports-related. It can be. Sports can be a job, obviously. But anyway, that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, everybody. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Let me tell you guys, LinkedIn, look, you just you log on there. You'd be surprised with what you can find. Let me tell you, you just add your job in the purple hiring frame to your little LinkedIn profile. It's like this little frame that goes down there, and it's kind of like a hashtag thing. It shows you it spreads the word that you're hiring, and then they've got tools like screening questions that help you find and focus uh, the right candidates, I guess I should say, who have the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want for each individual role for your you know employment and whatnot. It's really helpful, and it's really good. Uh, it's why this is rate LinkedIn jobs number one and delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates, guys, you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash, here's the kicker, locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, guys. I felt good. Oh God, I think I killed that one. What do you guys think? All right. Let's keep talking because now we got to talk about the game the Padres didn't kill. And that was Friday's game. As you guys know, I try to not end the pod on the sad game, right? And we're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to cover that one right now. We're going to be talking about Friday's game, which didn't ruin my Friday. It was just like a, an inauspicious start to my weekend. You know what I mean? Uh, not the best start. Uh, but it ended up being fine. Um, but the Padres lose this one, 4-3, to three, and it was a walk-off loss for the Padres. And it's funny because in my podcast chat with Mr. Paul Holden, which everyone can check out in your feed and on YouTube or whatnot, I talked about how if the Padres lose, I want it to be crushing. I want it to be walk-off. This is what I said. I want it to be walk-offs. I want it to be game winners. I didn't want it to be one of those 5-1, what the heck am I doing? Why am I watching this team perform so poorly? And the universe answered me. Um, This game actually starts off pretty good for the Padres. They get some RBIs first in the top of the third. Thanks to, who else? Manny Machado. You also get a ground out from Juan Soto. But then Randall Gritchick gets a home run. Jonathan Daza gets a triple, which I am blanking on. I feel like there was some fielding mishap that I'm forgetting. I don't hmm, don't remember. But anyway, uh, the big thing, though, is top of the eighth inning. 3-2, 3-2, Juan Soto, he comes up clutch, I was watching the bat, it didn't look like a home run, but oh boy it was, and you know, they're at Coors Field, so I imagine the the elevation, the the height, the temperature, the air pressure, whatever you want to call it, might have helped a little bit, but bottom line is he hit that thing in the center, uh, he crushed it, that was great, Our, I'm not going to say his best Padres moment, but because it's also true that like you know, it's he hasn't been there long enough and what have you. But if for not for the fact that the Padres end up losing this game, you could actually argue that this is Soto's like great first moment. Aside from like that first game he played in. You know what I mean? The first game he literally played in when he got the walk and the jury grand slam. That was a wild night at Petco, but uh that was great and it was clutch of Soto. And again, he has looked like he's been turning things up. It's really, really exciting. Um like, seriously, Soto, if he can start slugging the ball more, if he can do basically just what he was doing uh, for the Nationals, then that's great. Because the walk stuff, there's nothing about the walk rate and the pitches that he's swinging at necessarily that's bad. It's just not making the best contact. Some slow rollers to first base I don't like. Looks like he's forcing it a little bit. Um, But even still, I still think that he's going to get better. It's just that it's a shame that even someone like Soto seems to have fallen victim to the Padres curse, right? Never never mind the Josh Bell and Brandon Drury thing. I mean, those guys are a whole other can of worms. But Soto, unfortunately, has not been as good. But a good weekend for him. He goes two for five in Friday's game with a home run and a double. One for four in the next game with a double and then two for four. We talked about that yesterday with a couple walks, which is what he's good at. He loves walking. Um, so that was great. But then unfortunately, Mr. Adrian Morejon, who I would say, can I say Adrian Monajon is my biggest miss for this year's Padres team? It's up there, I think. I think that Morejon, in terms of someone that I was really excited about, I thought he could be a really big secret weapon. I liked that he was coming back. He's part of my take of why I did not think the Padres needed to invest heavily in bullpen stuff um at the trade deadline he's been really bad 4.5 era he's not missing any bats man he's just not he's not getting nearly as many strikeouts as i thought he would i thought he was gonna be a strikeout dude i thought he was dude that at worst could be like a little bit better version of emilio pagan and maybe give you two innings sometimes right like he might give you up the big hit might give you up the big hit he might give up the big hit for you but I thought his strikeout stuff would be great and that he could whiz by guys because he's a guy that's had a lot of talent for a while and he's not very old, which is really cool too, but he's been really messy. He ends up giving up the winning run in this. It wasn't technically his because this was the extra innings rule, but it stinks. It also stinks that Soto, with the chance to potentially win the game, or I should say give the Padres the go-ahead run after Azokar made it to third, um, unfortunately he grounds out to first. Like I said about the grounded grinders to first and whatnot. So it was a tough loss um, to start off the series. Again, it was an auspicious start. Uh, and that's what was just a little bit frustrating because also the Padres uh, got a decent start from Sean Maniah, all things considered, he only did a little bit amount of damage, three and two-thirds, uh, three earned runs allowed, and for the Padres to use Steven Wilson, Pierce Johnson, Luis Garcia, Robert Suarez, who got in a little bit of a jiffy, two walks, but he worked out of it, um, and Josh Hader, who... Yeah, I mean, we, I think we can start talking a little bit about Hader um, and the fact that he hasn't given up a run since it looks like September 5th. So that's good right like maybe he's I think that he could at least be you know a a decent reliever I think that if you want to convince me look he's not this bad that's crazy then yeah I agree that but I really do think that the best days of him are at least behind him for a little bit until I've been proven otherwise Uh, maybe maybe heading into next year working with the pitching staff a little bit more closely working with catchers with Nola and Campizana or whoever, if they extend Alfaro for another 10 years, which they obviously should. 10 years, 300 million, lock it in for Jorge Alfaro. Um, maybe he can bounce back next year. But for right now, I don't necessarily trust him for this year. That's just me. But hey, he's been good for a while. Um, and honestly, Robert Suarez, dare I say, most underrated Padre? It was Nick Martinez at one point. Robert Suarez might be the most underrated Padre. 2.5 year, around the year. He doesn't walk too many batters, and he gets strikeouts, man. Like, this guy gets strikeouts, man. It's really awesome. Uh, In fact, let me just check really quickly. In 42 and a third's innings, he has 51 Ks. And keep in mind also that he missed a chunk of time from the season, so those overall strikeout numbers might be up. The walks, 23 passes, not the best in the world, but not awful. Not awful. It could be a lot, lot worse. Robert Suarez has been very good. He basically has been awesome ever since, unfortunately, that blow-up start. uh, His first save opportunity that he had uh, when he debuted for the team. That was really, really rough. I mean, the way the Padres... Another inauspicious start for the Padres, right? I've been using that word a lot, but that first game of the year, man. Holy cadooly. But yeah, the Padres lost this game. Their bats go silent sometimes. It happens. Machado can't carry. Soto can't carry. Manny actually just goes one for four in this game. He does get an RBI, but still. Uh, It's guys like Drury. It's guys like Bell. It's just not. It hasn't been happening for them all year. Um, But what I did like is Jose Azokar got a start in this game, which I really liked. He goes one for four. Again, Azokar has been good. Trent Grisham did make a diving catch uh, in this game, which I appreciate, of course. And a lot of people said, hey, and I think it was um, AJ Casabal of MLB.com mentioned, like, look, there's not many center fielders that can make that play. And I agree. Um, in terms of outs above average, which is a metric, of course, to judge defense and how many more outs you get from plays compared to the average at your position or in baseball and what have you. And Trick Richam's at like nine, which is why his F4 mark is not too bad considering his batting. And then Roberts, uh, I'm sorry, Jose Azokar is at like a six for outs above average. Granted, Smaller sample size, sometimes outs above average. If you have like a great twenty games or something like that, then like you'll have like a fifteen within reason. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but again, they it can be manipulated for based on a good streak and he's had much less playing time there in the outfield. But it reinforces my belief that I don't think we know for sure that Trent Grisham is this much better defensively. I think he's better, but is he so much better that he offsets the difference in their batting? that I disagree with and I think it's I think the Padres are starting to realize that too and that's why he's been playing more but before we get into that last game guys let me take a sip of water Mm. god because I talk really fast sometimes a bit too fast my apologies to the listeners um, so I need, a, I need a good sip of water every now and then let me just check real quick how's football going let's see oh it's 7 to 5 oh look at them Javante Williams, can you get me some points? It'll be like the one league that I can win this win from yesterday. God, it was a nightmare. Anyway, let's talk about this last game. Let's talk about Saturday. Another victory for the Padres. And this one was very nice, too. What can I say? Uh, a victory for the Padres by a score of 9-3. I tweeted before the game started, like, "Up, oh, you Darvish has to come in and save our butts as usual. And he's great again, guys. I mean, the consistency with this guy. The best starting pitcher on the Padres this year which by the way i think people i think people know that that he's been the best this year but he wasn't it only started becoming more apparent ever since Musgrove had a little bit of a skid 6 innings 2 earned runs on 5 hits 1 walk which feels like it's rare for him and then 8 Ks i will say one thing with Darvish for a lot of the year was that his strikeout percentage was down it's still down from his career level i think he's sitting at like 25 if don't quote me Uh, on that i think he's sitting about i might as well just look it up now but it's lower than his usual career highs lower than his career average or strikeout percentage but the big thing was that he was lasting into games and he wasn't giving up nearly as many nukes and bad you know pitches and whatnot and don't get me wrong if you pull up this is why baseball savant is in my opinion a website that can be a little bit frustrating when people like to screenshot like i'll show everybody who's watching the youtube they love to go and get the stat cast like profile thing where you just go there and then you look at all the 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 wow it, this is not working <laughs> this this thing for me right now it is shining on the screen but people love just showing eh, can it focus no it can't people love just getting the little bubbles and thing and they say oh the percentile rankings well you darvish he's 21st percentile and barrel percentage and expected slugging. He's in 41 and his velocity is in 14th percentile and his all that there's more to it. Right. And think, I think part of it is because he throws so many pitches that sometimes a lot of the off speed stuff can be taken deep, but I think the big thing with him and it's similar to Musgrove. And I think this is why spin rate is such an interesting thing that I've been trying to understand a little bit more is that it can make up for a lack of velocity. He is. The, he's in the 14th percentile in fastball velocity. Um, and just for an idea on of how fast his fastball is actually going right now, let me see if I could pull that up really quickly. His 14 fastball averages about 95 miles an hour, which, again, that's like crazy that that's considered like 14, like this is, not to get out of my soapbox for too long, this is why baseball is the one sport where I truly do think if you wanted to, like comparing the eras is just ridiculous. Like, I'm watching documentaries on Netflix, it's called, like, Fastball, where, like, it's this urban legend and they're trying to find this guy who scouts from every college because he threw 85, right? Like, he threw 85 miles an hour. You can't pitch in major. I-, I know kids that I went to high school that pitched 85 miles an hour, right? Like, it just shows you in a more tangible way how much better human athleticism has gotten, in my opinion, with baseball. Which is why I think comparing eras is a little bit lame. In that you have to bring in other things that people are too lazy to bring in, like you know overall impact and awards and uh, leadership and all these things that people get a little bit lazy when analyzing. Right? They don't like to bring in those things. Anyway, enough of the soapbox. Let's get back to it. Um, Yu Darvish this year, his strikeout percentage again, it's down from his his career high, but not in a way that freaks me out. Twenty five point seven percent, his career average. Is twenty-two. No, it's not. The heck am I looking at? Oh, 28.9. There we go. <laughs> I was looking at it weird there. Um, so it's down, but he's lasting longer into games. His walk percentage is elite. It's actually 91st percentile in baseball 4.8, down from the 6.5 from last year. Maybe it's as simple as that elite control, a good spin rate on his fastball. The fact that he's just you, Darvish, he had more of a time to work with Austin in the offseason. They talked about that a whole lot. They talked about it on the broadcast at the earlier parts of the year, which is great. And he's awesome. Um, And eight strikeouts at Coors Field, nothing to laugh at. Yes, he gets hit a little bit at the beginning, just a tiny bit. You're like, uh oh. Is it happening already? Don't tell me, don't tell me, but that's what you Darvish does. He takes a little bit of time to get into the, the swing of things. Gives up a home run to Ryan McMahon, but it doesn't matter. We get a Manny double, we get an RBI from Jake, we get even a sacrifice from Manny Machado, and then we get Jake Cronenworth getting a bunch of hits. We get a walk to Josh Bell with the bases loaded. Really good stuff all around. Um Hassan Kim even had a good weekend. He gets an RBI in this game as well. Um great win. For the Padres for the record it was Chad cool on the mound for the Rockies and again, the Rockies some of the worst starting pitching in baseball. five and two thirds for him three earned runs. Talk about this on Friday, but this is why uh, Friday concerned me a little bit because not only did you not score a whole bunch, this is like the worst pitching team in baseball. They're a good team when it comes to like batting average and on base. But when it comes to home runs, when it comes to pitching, Thirtieth in ERA, thirtieth in thirtieth ba- in batting average against, and twenty eighth in WHIP. They cannot pitch, and a big part of that is because Herman Marquez uh, fell off for of them. But in general, guys, good overall series for the Padres. I-, I really do believe that. I think that one of the things that this is one of those series where you just won the series that you had to win. Um, it could have been disastrous, certainly. Lord knows, I remember last year. I remember the. I think it was the CJ Crone walk off. If I'm not mistaken, it was off of Daniel Hudson, right? I think it was last year. Daniel Hudson just acquired walk-off hit, right? It, it, it was rough playing Colorado last year. And for the most part, it was rough playing them this year. I mean, they didn't have a winning record necessarily against them, but they weren't as bad as last year and they got the job done. Now the problem is going to be the upcoming series, which is the Dodgers. And the Dodgers don't have anything to play for right now. They've locked the division down. And I assume they've locked down the one seed, right? Have they? Let me see real quick. The Mets have 97 wins. They have 106. I assume they've locked that one seed, right? Like there's, I don't think they really have too much to play for. They would basically have to lose like every game more or less. And by the way, the quietest, and I'm going to talk about this on tomorrow's episode with my buddy, Jeff Snyder of Lockdown Dodgers, the quietest 106 over 100 win season I can remember in a long, long time. I remember it was like 2016, 17 that I felt like the Dodgers were making more noise. It was like the Bellinger rookie year. And then it was the... Uh, what else? I think it's when they traded for Manny. I think. I, I know it was Cody Bellinger's rookie year, but like that season made more um, waves, I think. This season's like nobody's talking about it. It's very... It's wild. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to do any Dodger loving on this podcast. But just from... As a analyst... Per se, like it's kind of interesting. To look at that, anyway. Um, so with this series upcoming against the Dodgers, that's the key. I will take a second to thank our good friends over in Cincinnati for not getting totally swept uh, by the Brewers. Um, they won three of four against the Reds, but they did not win on Sunday, and the Padres did so. Still looking at the wild card race. They've got a couple of games on the Brewers. They've got three, in fact, which is great. The Phillies are the ones that are more in danger right now. They've got 83 wins. So they're the ones that are right teetering on the edge of potentially falling out of that playoff spot with the Brewers. So, again, don't get me wrong. Everyone's talking about football right now. Everyone's, for unfortunate reasons, with stuff that's going on in Boston, talking about the NBA. They're talking about a whole bunch in sports, right? we got Roger Federer retiring, everything, right? But... It's getting juicy for baseball right now, man. Every game feels like it matters, and this is this is tough. For record, I might as well just bring up really quickly, the Phillies are playing next the Chicago Cubs at Chicago, and then the Brewers are playing, let me just check really quickly, the Cardinals for two. So I'm going to be watching those games. They don't play today, but they will be playing Tuesday and Wednesday. Then they have Miami, and then they have Arizona. I know what you might be thinking. Oh, my God, Miami then. Arizona's not bad Arizona's not bad I could absolutely seeing Arizona take some games Miami can't hit worth a lick so that's gonna be a problem uh but yeah um the Brewers hopefully they get knocked out I think the Phillies are infinitely more fun and also you know I hate the Brewers but the Padres hanging on hanging on getting hits when they matter and that's what you like to see they do not have the best run differential of all time I get it I get it they don't in fact out of all the playoff teams the only one with the worst run differential is the brewers assuming that the brewers make it for a second um i know i get it and in the american league the only one worse i believe is the mariners no not even the mariners have a worse run differential they're the second worst run differential in terms of competitive teams this year that are going to make the playoffs so that shows you it doesn't mean they're a bad team Means they're a team that has had hits at the right time And it means that it might not transfer over to next year, but we're not worried about that right now. We're trying to make it because if we make it, you got Darvish, you got Snell, you got Musgrove. Anything can happen. Ladies and gentlemen, maybe jury and bell figure out how to hit. That'd be great. I would really appreciate that. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there just into the universe. You know, (sighs) I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I know I did again. Going to be talking with Jeff on tomorrow's episode, a good old crossover. Also going to be talking with uh White Sox homie probably um, by the time we get to the end of the week. Might even have my other friend who's not the lockdown host on this old White Sox team. Might give his kind of breakdown of the team. Maybe, maybe. If I feel like it. If I feel like it, I might bring him on. You know? I just thought of that just now. My good buddy, Jack. My good buddy. Yeah. Yeah. But we're going to do that, and then, of course, guys, going to be covering everything with the wildcard race. We're in the final stretch. Remember, you have to stay faithful. This is where things get crazy. And this is where you start putting the double screen. You put the Brewers over here. You put the Phillies over here. You're watching all the games. It's going to be fun, guys, and I hope you enjoy me having fun on this podcast. But with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, and at L-O underscore Padres. YouTube to see my sick shirt. Look at them. Look at that thing. Boom, boom, boom. It's really sick. Um, Lockdown Padres on YouTube. And until next time, stay safe, and of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies. Take care.